0: Do you feel alone in your suffering? Are you easily disappointed by other people? Has anyone ever told you that you have impossible standards? Maybe you need some perspective and new guidelines to help you change the game. Welcome to the Happy Wizard. I'm your host, Dr. Shiva Guide. I'm a board-certified and licensed clinical psychologist, a public speaker, and an educator. In this podcast series, I'll be sharing strategies to help you heal from the past, navigate everyday challenges, and create a much more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Dr. G, and today I'm hoping that I can give you a new perspective and challenge some of the beliefs you have that might but not be serving you well. I'd like to help you get out of your own way. Okay, so you know you're judgmental, but you think it's because you have high standards. You're happy to point out when someone is not doing the best they can. You feel like your suffering is unique and different than other people's pain, and they can't possibly understand. You have lots of ideas about how things should be, how people should act, and what should happen. Let's face it, you have no trouble pointing out where people fucked up, and unfortunately, you also spend a lot of time beating yourself up too. Does this sound like you? Do any of these statements accurately sum up how you've been living your life? If just now you feel like I'm in your head, then keep listening. And if this description doesn't sound like you, but it sounds like someone close to you or even someone you've encountered in your life, then keep listening. It's time for a fresh perspective, or maybe we can just call it a Dr. G's reality check. I'm not gonna try to be Miss Cleo here. Do you all know who Miss Cleo is? Probably those of you who remember her also know what a Rolodex is. But if you're too young to remember, please Google both so you're in the know. Okay. I digress. I'm not trying to be a fortune teller or a mind reader here, but I anticipate that as I go through some of these ideas that I'm going to share with you today, there might be some head shaking, eye rolling, various grunts or other sounds coming out of you. And I'm pretty sure from all the years I've done this work, that there might be some serious mental resistance to some of these ideas. But all I'm asking is for you to keep an open mind and an open heart please let me plant some seeds. And who knows, maybe one of them will be a game changer for you or someone you love. So the ideas I'd like to share with you today come from a variety of therapy modalities, but also my own experiences personally. Of course, that's always integrated into what we teach. But more importantly, my experiences professionally in working with thousands of patients over the past two decades. I've taken a handful of at least what I think might be some of the most helpful bits and pieces to share with you today. And I think this might help you reframe some things in your life and get a fresh perspective. Okay, so let's learn some new stuff. Cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT, is sort of the latest greatest in our field. A lot of really wonderful therapies have sprouted from CBT and have been packaged for specific types of problems. Um, For example, there's cognitive processing therapy for trauma. There's interpersonal therapy um, for more interpersonal relationship distress, uh, sometimes dealing with grief and loss. And then there's also the very well-known dialectical behavior therapy, also referred to as DBT for borderline personality disorder. Although I think the tools in DBT are really helpful for anyone with any type of distress or diagnosis. Actually, the interesting thing is that there are strategies I take from all of these therapies to work with all of the different types of issues or symptoms that people present with. There's a foundational element from DBT that I really like. Some of you might have heard this term, the wise mind. The idea is that we have an emotional mind. So think about a circle and put the emotional inside that circle. And then imagine an overlapping circle And that's the logical mind. If any of you uh, are familiar with the Venn diagram, that's basically what I'm referring to. Another fun way to think about this scientifically, although it's not quite this clear cut, is that the emotional mind is your limbic system that houses several structures, including the amygdala, which again is our emotion processing center, you know, the fight, flight, freeze stuff. And then there's the logical mind is our prefrontal cortex, generally where logic, reason, decision-making, and and long-term memory is happening. Okay, so you've got these two overlapping circles so far, which seem really distinct. But what about the overlapping part? Well, we can call this the wise mind. This intersection of these two seemingly diametrically opposed systems, it represents this idea that we should use both the emotional and the logical minds together. I don't know about you, but I really like this idea. Common sense tells me that it's probably not a good idea to completely ignore one or the other. All logical conjures up images of Spock from Star Trek. All emotional, well, that just conjures up images of, I, I don't know, a total shit show. Another way of thinking about this is using the terminology of critical thinking. And what that is, is the ability to create thoughts that eventually become a habit that serve us in different ways with the goal being to attain a level of thinking that's healthiest for us. I'm going to totally oversimplify this, but basically critical thinking is a skill. That means that it requires our understanding. It involves learning and lots and lots of practice. We use methodical ways to observe and analyze information and maybe even reconceptualize a situation. And all of this really ends up dictating the kind of experience we have in life or with other people or even ourselves. So if I wanna really nerd out here, we can even talk about levels of critical thinking. Lower level critical thinking is basically like using the emotional mind all the time. Probably not the best way to go about life. Then there's higher level critical thinking, which is basically sometimes we use our emotional mind and sometimes we use our logical mind, but then nirvana, there's highest level critical thinking, and that's basically our goal. And that's to use the wise mind. So we acknowledge the feelings, but in the end we use logic to move forward. I mean, doesn't that sound like it would serve us best? In fact, doesn't that sound kind of like a superpower? I always tell my patients, if you're obsessed with Marvel and DC Comics, like I am, or anything superhero, and if you want a superpower, and seriously, like who doesn't want a superpower? Well, I've got a superpower for you. Learning how to control your stories, tell healthy stories, and perpetuate thoughts that serve you well If we want to refer to my bucket rules, and that's a separate podcast, so check it out, then we would just say the superpower is learning how to handle your own shit, learning how to handle your own bucket. Truly, it's a superpower. Because basically what it means is that no matter what's going on outside of your bucket, which is basically life, all the moving parts, everyone else's buckets, you stay grounded and solid in your bucket, protected by that invisible boundary that you set with people around you. Again, if you have no fucking clue what I'm talking about with buckets and shit and invisible boundaries, please listen to our podcast on the bucket rules, or you can read them online on route91therapy.com. Okay, so why am I going into all this CBT critical thinking stuff? Well, because this is literally the concrete foundation. It's your toolbox. Without it, nothing's happening and nothing's going to change without the ability, the skill, to change thoughts or recognize even the automatic thoughts that you default to just because it's a habit. Well, without this skill, we just can't make healthy change. I introduced this concept to you first, basically because everything I share with you from here on out is a thought, a belief, a part of my worldview, which I happen to think is a really healthy one. Yeah, I know. I'm biased. But I'm a really happy person. I feel blessed. I live with so much gratitude. I live mindfully, simply in the present moment and without judgment, or at least without too much judgment that lingers. And so now I want to invite you to come visit my planet, regardless of how absurd you think some of my ideas might be. Okay, here we go. So here's truth number one. It has to do with change. Change is inevitable. The world is always changing whether you want it to or not and you have to change along with it it's not always everyone else you're the constant i mean as long as you're alive everything else is the variable when we hit a snag we want to latch on to the habit the known we don't want to acknowledge that the problem could be with us it's so much easier to blame everyone else or everything else But this is actually really disempowering because basically you're giving away your power. You can only change yourself, nothing else. So it's really the best bang for the buck. Many people hate change, but it's just something we all have to radically accept. I know I probably won't sound like an optimist that I actually am right now, but there are some realities or some truths that we have to accept so we don't feel miserable all the time. Some of our relationships will end and not the way we want. And even if we do everything right, our health will deteriorate. And it's not fair, but it will happen to all of us. Our jobs that we loved at the beginning may stop feeling rewarding. Our kids will grow up and leave and everything changes. The sooner we get on board, the happier we will be, or at least, at least maybe we won't be quite as miserable. Okay, so moving on. Here's truth number two. This one has to do with our standards and the way we judge. So, okay, brace yourself. Everyone does their best. Oh, Dr. G. I know some people listening right now are cringing and shaking their heads and yelling out, fuck that. People are always, people never do their best. Um, People aren't doing their best. Yes, my friends, they are. And at the very least, even if they aren't, I feel a lot happier when I give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, define best. Whose best are we talking about? Your best? Their best? What is their best? Who has the gavel and gets to make the final judgment about best? And what if how they acted or what they did today is actually their best for today? Aren't you doing your best today? Maybe your best today is not the same as your best yesterday or tomorrow. Is that okay? I'm going to answer that. Yes, that is okay. Okay. Someone else's best doesn't have to be equivalent to your best. And who are you to determine their best or even your best? All we know is that we can probably make the assumption that we're doing everything we can today with what we've got going on in our lives today. And this belief or truth or assumption that we want to adopt into our worldview, it's really critical when it comes to some of the more serious topics, I'm going to take a risk now and use an example that might be upsetting to some of you. So please don't jump off the podcast because what I'm about to say pisses you off or, you know, you have some sort of negative reaction. Just keep an open mind and consider the possibility. This comes up a lot in the work that I do. For example, if you were abused in childhood, maybe a parent, one of your parents knew it was happening and didn't stop it maybe you continue to harbor resentment and anger and definitely not forgiveness toward that parent. It's understandable, but consider that maybe that was the best they could do at the time with the limited resources or lack of insight, or maybe they have their own history of trauma because they were abused too. And in order to be able to acknowledge your abuse or do something about it, they would have had to admit and deal with their own process in the past. And maybe they weren't ready to do that. Think about how we give some people room, wiggle room. Let's say you see someone with a prosthetic limb. What's their best in terms of some physical task? Whose performance are you comparing their best to? Somehow when it's more tangible or visible, we get it. But remember, just because you can't see mental illness doesn't mean it's different than any other visible form of disability. When someone is struggling with psychiatric symptoms, there is brain dis-ease. It's not different than thinking about someone who has just had a heart attack or lost a limb or is dealing with cancer. So back to this new truth. Everyone does their best. We just have to believe this because it's a healthier lens. And as it turns out, if you use this lens for other people, you'll, you'll use it for yourself too. You know, maybe their or your best isn't enough to keep you safe or teach you what you need to know. Maybe it was your or another person's best considering the context of a health problem or mental illness or a lack of insight or, you know, being in a state of denial or having low self-esteem or a low sense of self-efficacy, or maybe not having a support network. Considering these alternatives gives us a little more wiggle room in terms of how we choose to view the world and people in it. One thing I tell my patients often is, you know, not everybody's elevator goes to the top floor. And I don't mean that as an insult. You know, we're all at different stages of life. We all have different levels of insight and self-awareness. We're at different levels of development, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, physically, psychologically, et cetera, et cetera. And that's okay. Everyone has their own journey. And we're much happier if we can radically accept this truth. Okay, moving on. Truth number three. This has to do with usually what's referred to as our common humanity. Basically, the idea is that suffering is universal. Do you ever feel like you're suffering all alone and nobody understands exactly how you feel? Well, I have news for you. You're definitely not the only person suffering on the planet. Just turn on the news for five minutes and you'll start to feel pretty damn lucky. On any given day that you are suffering, trust me, millions of other people on the planet are feeling the same way. And I'm not pointing this out to invalidate your suffering. We are not in the business of comparing suffering. What's important about recognizing and reminding ourselves frequently that we are not alone, that we are not the only person in pain today, is that it helps us experience more compassion for ourselves and with other people. I have a separate podcast on that. So if you're not sure what compassion is, please take time to listen and learn how you can foster more compassion in your life. Truth number four, there's this thing called free will and autonomy and we're all entitled to it. It means life is not always fair. Sometimes there's justice and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes things go our way and sometimes they don't. I mean, sure, there are laws and there are all kinds of principles and ethics, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, People will do what they will do, and we can slam the gavel down and make a judgment, but it's probably just going to make us miserable because we constantly feel bitter and resentful towards people who behave in ways that we don't agree with. And we can default to the everyone does their best statement to help out with this one. Basically, we have to acknowledge or radically accept that the only three things we have control over live in our bucket. It's our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors. You literally have no control over anything else, period. Okay, truth number five, there is no such thing as respect. All right, stay on the podcast, please, folks. I know someone out there is pissed off hearing this, but hear me out. Respect is really just an artificial construct of culture and language. What one person or culture thinks is respectful, another person or culture thinks is disrespectful. Anyone who's lived abroad, let's say in Asia or the Eastern cultures, understands the cultural nuances and the differences with American or Western cultures. So let's dissect this word and break it down into what it really is. Let's face it, we feel respected when other people's thoughts, feelings, or behaviors match what we want or they live up to our expectations. The minute that someone's thoughts, feelings, or behaviors are not what we want or not what we agree with or not what we approve of, we suddenly feel disrespected. That's it, that's all it is. So now let me ask you are people allowed to have different thoughts, feelings, and behaviors? than you? Are they allowed to not be you? Do other people's buckets have to match yours? And this kind of brings up another issue of using words like selfish and manipulative. If you're a homo sapien, that means human, you're selfish. That means you're self-directed, self-focused, self-absorbed, and you're manipulative. You want what you want. Is there anybody out there who doesn't want what they want? I want what I want, right? If everybody is described in this same way, then it's no longer a thing. It's just how we're all hardwired. So are you starting to understand the issue here? When you truly have insight about what's happening, when you react badly to someone else's bucket, you realize the best thing is to just jump back in yours and handle your own shit. And that brings us to truth number six. Hopefully some of you are still on the podcast. We're almost done, so stick with me. Here it is. It's not about you. Nothing's about you. We all have this tendency to overpersonalize things and make them about us. It's not. Even if someone is yelling and pointing in your direction, it's still not about you. You just happen to be there. They're yelling and pointing because it's about them. Their anger, their angry thoughts, their inability to manage their own bucket. At the end of the day, it's just not about you. Unless it is about you, your life, your thoughts, your feelings, anything you do, What's in your bucket? That is all about you. And that's it. Think Ice Age. We're all just a squirrel trying to get a nut. And let me finish with one final note. At the end of the day, a 10 ain't going to be with a 2. I'm referring to mental health, not looks or anything superficial. A 10 doesn't have to to have and probably won't have a perfect life any more than a 2 does. The difference is A 10 calls a friend, goes to the doctor, gets on medication, talks about problems openly, sets healthy boundaries, makes choices that are self-preserving, and does a lot of self-care. A two, for example, might distract themselves with other people's drama, drink to numb the pain, self-harm, avoid. So what's my point? Well, um, let's face it. Everyone wants to be with a 10. But you have to be a 10 to get and to keep a 10. I mean, sure, maybe a 10 will be your acquaintance or hang, hang out casually, but a 10 won't likely tie themselves financially, emotionally, and physically to a 2. And if they do, then they're really not a 10. So it's not a coincidence that threes find threes, and fives find fives, and eights find eights. And okay, it's not an exact science. Um, Because we're hopefully all ideally moving up that scale of mental health. And if you're listening to this podcast, clearly you're on the up and up, but you get the idea. Again, this isn't an insult. It's just a truth, uh, a reality. And here's the most common example I can think of. Um, When my patients come in to me initially and they're having problems across the board, but especially with relationships, I, I always have to give them this disclaimer You know, keep in mind, you might get so much better that you get divorced. And what that means is that if you get into therapy and you start growing and your partner does not, you might outgrow them. And in the end, you might lose the relationship because of that. Your partner may simply leave and feel they cannot keep up, or maybe they don't want to or aren't ready to make change. Or maybe you'll leave because in order to maintain your new mental health status, You have to choose to surround yourself with healthier people. And remember, you and other people do get brownie points for being in the process of change, working hard in therapy, for example. Change takes time, but you get brownie points for that. Okay, folks. So that's it for today. Hopefully I've planted a few new seeds and hopefully you leave this podcast having learned at least one new thing. And here's some homework for those of you who are already on board and ready for change listen to this podcast with a friend, or teach some of these ideas to your partner or your kids. When you can teach something, it means you really understand it. And teaching something over and over again will eventually change your own thought patterns. And when you get healthy, it forces everyone else around you to either step up or step out. I hope that this helps you move towards a healthier perspective and towards leading a more meaningful, connected life with other people. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've learned at least one new thing that you can practice this week. Please feel free to share feedback and submit ideas for future topics at happywizardpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, stay safe and healthy. Until we meet again.